reading this morning is from Ecclesiastes 11, verse 7 through chapter 12, verse 8. Hear now the reading of the Word of God. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed, and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises up from the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors that are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along, and desire fails, because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about in the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the teacher, all is vanity. May God bless this unusual reading of his word. You may be wondering what Ship is doing preaching a sermon on aging and death on Father's Day. Not only that, but the text today is from Ecclesiastes, which on a cursory reading appears to be fatalistic and pessimistic. Bear with me, though. I hope to show that the book is about living life to the full with joy. I think there's a message here for young and old. Many of our youth are gone today, and so I've got this large unoccupied area in front of me. And so this message would be for them, but for others who are young. There's a message for you. For those of us who are older, there's a message here for us as well. I particularly want to uh, uh, express my appreciation for John Walker's uh, meditation over the Lord's Supper and his comment about his father who's passed. I've in recent years lost my own father. And for Mel Witcher, for the last song, I challenged him. You know, he wanted to know what song should I lead before your sermon? And I said, well, good luck, something on, on death and dying. And he found one. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul. When the end comes and when the spirit is failing. It's important before we talk about the fullness and the joy of life, which is in this reading that I read a moment ago, that we first recognize that for the author of Ecclesiastes, all of us have an expiration date. The end draws near for all of us. In fact, we're told that two things in life are certain. What are they? Death and taxes. Recently, the reality of death has hit me in ways it never has in the past. Since 2016, so many of our dear friends and brothers and sisters in this church have gone on. My own father, as I mentioned, John Walker's father, our dear sister Libby Weed. Recently. Others close to me have passed on. Many prayers were lifted up for these people, and the Lord has seen fit to prolong the life of some. But the reality is, death is the period at the end of the story of our lives in this world. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is often caricatured, I think, as a gloomy and a pessimistic book with little to hope for in this life, except pain, oppression, and duty. I don't think that this is a fair representation, however, as the book, as much as it talks about there's inevitable end to all of our strivings, it also promotes joy and optimism. I think the point of the book of Ecclesiastes is that only those who know that the end is certain, that we have that period at the end of our story, that all striving and grasping for what we do not possess, what we do not have, will get us nowhere. Only those that understand that can find true joy and benefit in life as it is. Ecclesiastes 11, 7 through 12, 8 is one of the most vivid depictions of an end to life in the Bible or I think any other literature. It's difficult for us to truly understand all the images in this reading. Some have said that this is an allegory of the failure of the human body and the aging process. In this view, then, the grinders that are few are what? This is not a rhetorical question. Teeth. Teeth. Uh, those that look out through the windows are what? The eyes. The doors on the street that are shut, what are those? The ears. The blossoming almond tree, more true of some of us, Kurt Holman, than others. What color do almond trees blossom with? White blossoms. So that's what? The white hair. 
The silver cord, the golden bowl, the pitcher, and the wheel at the fountain. All right, smarty pants, what are those? Say it loud. Spinal cord, the heart, okay, uh, the skull. And what are the strong men and the keepers of the house that are bent? Yeah, your back and your arms, okay? In that view, uh, it's an allegory for the aging of the human body. And I'm taken by that, but there are some images that don't exactly fit well within that. Some others have felt that the images show the destruction of a village with its domestic life, and still others suggest that it's depicting the end of the world with the sun and the moon going dark. It's possible that all of these approaches have some truth to them. All three deal with the inevitable end to all of our strivings in this world. So whichever approach you take to the book, there's a finality to all life in the world and all of our striving for success, pleasure, a legacy, wisdom, education, wealth, or meaning will not change that. We go to our eternal home sooner or later. But I don't think this is a pessimistic message, as many have said. I think it's a realistic one. The teacher would have us understand that it is important to recognize that we have a termination date before we can really experience joy in life that God has given us here and now. All else is striving and grasping for what is ephemeral and transitory. This is the central theme, I think, of the book of Ecclesiastes. All of our striving after the gods of our age does not finally bring benefit, which is a word he uses for a plus in the ledger sheet of life. The teacher calls this striving the Hebrew word hevel, which most older translations translate as vanity. But this is vanity in the sense of what it meant in King James English, 1600 or so AD. That which is without substance, something which one cannot grasp, vapor. All of our striving, as the song says, is only dust in the wind. Another phrase helps us unpack what the teacher means by vanity or vapor. It is often translated the striving after or the chasing after wind, many translations. In Hebrew, it is literally grazing or feeding on wind. It is to try to grasp the wind, or as we might say, to eat an air sandwich. Cannot satisfy. It has no substance. That which we strive and long for so dearly in many of our lives is something finally one cannot truly grasp, and it has no substance. Thus the teacher tells us where our grasping leads us. It is to try to get sustenance from eating the wind. 
But the teacher wants us to be aware that only those who realize God has ordained an end to our earthly life can truly find joy and meaning in the actions of every day. In five or six places in the book, the teacher tells us what actually does bring benefit and joy in this life on earth as we have it, as we find ourselves. Hear the words of Ecclesiastes 5, 18 through 19. This is what I have seen to be good. It is fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with, with which one toils under the sun the few days of life God gives us. For this is our lot. Likewise, all to whom God gives wealth and possessions and whom he enables to enjoy them, to accept their lot and find enjoyment in their toil. This is the gift of God. To the teacher, what does bring joy and benefit in this life is to enjoy the good gifts God has already given us. What are these gifts mentioned five or six times in the book of Ecclesiastes? Food and drink, which I think is a metaphor for all material blessings God gives. Meaningful labor that God has given us to do. And in chapter 9, verse 9, <clears throat> he adds a spouse to this list. And I would expand that and say family. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun. Because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. One final benefit to the teacher he gives us in chapter 12, verse 13. The ultimate benefit is to reverence God and keep his commandments for this is the whole of humanity. And this summarizes our purpose on earth. So what on earth is Ship doing a sermon on the inevitability of death on Father's Day? It is not my intent to burden anyone further with what is obvious or to increase the burden of those who have recently lost a loved one. Rather, my purpose is to raise an issue, especially for fathers. If they are like this father, They've spent too much time striving for a legacy or notoriety or wealth or knowledge or any number of the other gods of this age instead of rejoicing in the gifts of family and blessings that God has already given and, in fact, also in the meaningless toil and humdrum that God gives us to do. Instead of rejoicing in those gifts, today, this day, Sunday, June 18th, which is the only day you've got. You do not have tomorrow. No one here knows what will become of tomorrow. Tomorrow is fiction. You do not know. All you have is today. There is no guarantee of another. So let me give you a parable, which also happens to be a true story. I hope that this will illustrate what it means to rejoice and fully engage in whatever <clears throat> situation God puts us in. When I was a kid in high school in Brazil, we had a very small front yard. 
But it was big enough that the grass had to be cut, and uh, what was available in those days was hedge clippers. For whatever reason, the task fell to number three son. Ask my mother. I still do not know. This was ugly labor, and I put it off as long as I possibly could. I remember I began the job one particular day with a lot of resentment, wishing I were anywhere else but with hedge clippers sitting on my grass in the front yard trying to cut it with hedge clippers. But I laid into the work, wanting it to be over. After a while, I began looking around me and I noticed little ants crawling between all the little uh, grass, what do you call them? Blades, whatever they are. And uh, different kinds of ants carrying leaves and whatnot to their colony. And, you know, different shades and shapes of ants doing different things. Different kinds of grass I began to notice. And I noticed that there was a nice breeze blowing, very nice breeze blowing. I looked up and I saw clouds, different shapes up above me. And some of them looked like people or like animals or other objects. Then I began to get into a rhythm with the hedge clippers. Clippity, clippity, clippity. Clippity, clippity, clippity. Clippity, 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 clippity. And then it turned into kind of this a rhythmic sort of a song, right? Clippity, clippity, clip, clip. Clippity, clippity, clip, clip. And so then I began humming along with it, you know, and I'm singing then to the ants and to the neighbors. Clippity, clippity, clip, clip. Clippity, clippity, clip, clip. And I realized at one point that I was no longer wishing for what I did not have or for where I wasn't, but for that moment. I thank God for the activity, even the ugly labor he'd given me for then, right then, at that moment. And the labor, which was a gift. What's the point? I'll end this sermon as I began it. Ecclesiastes is a book about finding joy in whatever situation God has put us now, today, Sunday the 18th. Knowing that our days are numbered, but he's the one who has numbered them. So if God has called us to lead, let us lead with compassion and integrity. If God has called us to serve, let us serve with a willing and a cheerful spirit. God has called us to wash dishes for first Sunday meal. Do it with a will. It's a gift of God. If it is to follow, let us follow in a manner that brings unity among our brothers and sisters and joy to our leaders. As I said in the beginning, the message of Ecclesiastes is for those who are young and for those who are old. For those who are in the bloom of youth, 
Remember the creator above all else, for he has given you the ability to eat and drink and enjoy his bountiful blessings. The labor that you accomplish with your hands, the ability to enjoy all of those. The acceptance of the gifts of God with thanksgiving brings joy and life to the full today, even in youth. For those who are aging, for whom the almond tree has blossomed, the windows are shut, and the grinders are few, remember that the Spirit returns to God who gave it. But more, for the Christian, there is one who has overcome even death and ordained life for all who call on his name. And that, I think, is the final benefit not revealed to the teacher of Ecclesiastes. In Christ, even our final expiration date has been reversed, and even the grave will give up its dead. Instead of a period at the end of the story, in Christ, there is an ellipsis to be continued. If you have lived for the future, for what you don't have, if you've strived for that which is ephemeral and not graspable, for that which is truly vapor and not of substance, and have not lived for the good gifts that God has given you today and for life in him, then he calls you today to either put on his son in baptism and in faith and repentance, or if you have fallen away from that walk of faith each day for God who has given you that day, then he calls you today to come to him as we stand and sing.